Turn with me, please, to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We have begun a series of messages during Advent, examining one of Isaiah's prophecies concerning the coming of the Christ. Seven hundred years before Jesus was born of a virgin in Bethlehem of Judea, God called him Jesus the Only. As I read these statistics, that tells me that more than 60% of those who claim to be Christians believe there are many ways to God. That tells me that this is a time to equip ourselves with the truth of the Word of God. When millions of churchgoers believe that Jesus is a way, that Jesus is merely a good role model, or that Jesus is a great philosopher, or Jesus was merely a good man, or Jesus was just a prophet, it is vitally important to realize that God already knew that this is going to happen in the 21st century, and that is why for thousands of years before Jesus' birth, the Creator God told us again and again that Jesus is coming, and that when Jesus comes, He's going to be Jesus the only. The Old Testament tells us again and again that Jesus is the one who is God of very God, through whom the whole universe was created. Not evolved, created. That Jesus is the one who is the God of power and might in human flesh. That the Jesus of Nazareth is the very God whose power hung the sun, the moon, and the stars in their orbit. That Jesus, who was born of a virgin in Bethlehem of Judea little over 2,000 years ago, is the very God who blew on a handful of dust and Adam popped up. Not a monkey, a rational, intelligent human being. And that is why I have been saying that every single believer must be equipped to defend the very core of this biblical truth, whatever you may be. In a day when pluralism is the religion of choice of many so-called churchgoers, the faithful remnant must have the courage to say, thus says the Lord. And just in case any of you living under a rock and you have not been reading the news, these days when a company official, including a CEO or a public servant, rise up and say, thus says the Lord, that marriage is between a man and a woman. These people find themselves ridiculed, persecuted, ostracized, and yes, lost their job. And that is why these days in which we live are often called the last days. For this popular religion of pluralism, the Bible calls it apostasy now reigning supreme. Let me tell you about the religion of pluralism that embraced by so many churchgoers. It says that all cultures, and therefore all religions, are equal in value. It says that all the founders of the religions are equal to the God of very God who became man of very man. They equate the holy, sinless, perfect Jesus with those who have killed and maimed and to establish their own religious movements. They equate the one who coexisted with the Father before all creation, 
who existed from everlasting to everlasting, they confuse him with Confucius and Buddha and Krishna and the rest of them. But it's even worse than that. On many university campus and school campus today, true Christians are forbidden from meeting on these campuses, while other religious groups of all stripes, they receive preferential treatment. But you know what I say? That's okay. Michael, what do you mean, okay? I think it's okay, because if you study history, you will discover that the Christian faith flourished under persecution. Persecution firts out the true from the false. Persecution separates the goats from the sheep. And as it gets darker outside, it will be brighter in the heart of the believers. It will be brighter in among the remnant. As it gets muddier in many a pulpit today, the message of the truth must become clearer every single day by us. What is that truth? Listen carefully. Here's the truth. The truth is this. The very babe who was born in Bethlehem of Judea over 2,000 years ago had forever existed with God the Father in the Godhead. Here's the truth. The very embryo that supernaturally implanted in a virgin's womb is the very one who created all of the galaxies in the universe. The truth is this. The very Jesus who died on a cross and rose again on the third day is the only one who can deliver us from sin and shame and death. The truth is this. The very Jesus the people spat upon is the one who will sit and judge every single human being that ever existed. Beloved, this is the heart of the faith. Weaken the heart or take out the heart and you got nothing but dead corpse of religion, and they're all over the place. And that is why for thousands of years before Jesus was born of a virgin in Bethlehem of Judea, God announced His coming throughout the Scripture, throughout the Scripture. Just for the limitation of time, we are looking at only one verse in four messages. Isaiah 9, 6. I hope you found it by now. In the last message, I showed you why he was called the Wonderful Counselor. And today I want to talk to you about why Jesus was called Mighty God. In the next message, I'm going to tell you why he was called Everlasting Father. Then we're going to look at why he alone could be called the Prince of Peace. And there is no peace in life, and there's no peace in eternity without the Lord Jesus Christ. All four titles were given to Jesus 700 years before He was born of the Virgin Mary. And all four are of vital importance. But in today's culture, perhaps there is none more important than Him being called Mighty God. I need to explain this to you. Isaiah, of all the names of God, Isaiah chooses the name El, E-L, Yahweh, or Jehovah in English. E-L, from which we get the word em-anu-el. The word em means with in Hebrew. Anu means we or us. El, mighty God. The mighty God is with us. And sometimes when you hear and read in the Bible, it says Beth-el. That is the house of God, or Bethel. And on and on and on. This name of God, El, indicates His supernatural power. 
His supernatural might. God has many names. None express His supernatural power like the word El. Question, what does it mean? And why, of all the names of God, Isaiah chooses the name El, 700 years to give to Jesus before He was born? It means that the same El who hung the sun and the moon and the stars in their orbits is the same El who told the storm at the Sea of Galilee to shut up, and the storm says, yes, sir. It means that it's the same El who formed the ocean and put boundaries, and you said, you go so far, and you can't go any further without my permission. It's the same El who walked on water in front of his disciples. It means that the same El who blew his breath on a handful of dust and the first human being popped up is the same El who told the dead and stinking body of Lazarus, come out, and Lazarus walked out of the tomb. It means that the same El who said, let there be light, and there the sun and the moon shone in their orbits, is the same El who stood on the Mount of Olives and said, I am the light of the world. It means that the same El who rained manna from heaven upon the Israelites in the wilderness is the same El who fed 5,000 men plus women and children on five loaves and two fishes. It means that the same El who parted the Red Sea supernaturally is the same El who hung on a cross to deliver us from the slavery of sin and addiction and shame. It means that the same El who snapped his fingers and he flooded the earth, saving only righteous Noah and his family, is the same El who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one, no one, no one can come to the Father but by me. It means that he is the same El who said to Moses, I am who I am, is the same one who said to his disciples, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the door to the sheepfold. I am the true vine. I am the resurrection and the life. God said through Isaiah, 700 years before his birth, his name shall be called what? Why? Because the Father and the Son coexisted from everlasting to everlasting. But here's the problem. Here's the problem that I know most of you face. I know I face with some of my friends, and, and, and it's a really a, a modern-day cultural problem. It comes out of arrogance of our Western culture. And the question is, just because El, the God of power and might, <laughs> came from heaven in a form of a man to reveal to us what God is like does not mean that we mix him up with all the misfits and the, and the egomaniacs and, and the deluded individuals who founded religious movements. That's the problem. That's the problem. Not only that, but Jesus is the only one who ever lived his life without sin. None of the others pulled that off. Jesus is the only one who raised the dead. None of the others could do that. 
Jesus is the only one who was in total control of nature. None of the others could do it. Jesus is the only one who healed the sick and the infirm without a charge and without a fee. None of the others could do that. Jesus is the only one who claimed to be God of very God, because He said, I and the Father are one. None of the others could proclaim that. For that's reason why He is Jesus, the only. Can you say that with me? Jesus, And because He is Jesus, the only, He is the only one who could redeem us from sin. He is the only one who can redeem us from guilt. He's the only one who can forgive us. He's the only one who can assure us of eternal life with Him in heaven. He's the only one because none of the others could claim that or have claimed that. And so please, please explain to me why all these so-called Christian leaders are saying that all the roads lead to God. These Christian leaders are misleading millions of people by telling them that all religions are the same. No wonder Isaiah the prophet 700 years before Jesus was born of a virgin in Bethlehem, said that His name shall be called what? Just in case I have failed to make my case, (laughs) that it is Jesus the only, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, I want to share a few things with you about the uniqueness of Jesus and how tragic that people in churches confuse him with the others. (laughs) I want to share some of his uniqueness. Let me tell you a few things about Jesus. (laughs) Jesus the Christ is the only man who created his mama before she conceived him. Did you get that? (laughs) Jesus the Christ is the only perfect man who died to give us eternal life to all those sinners who believe in him. Jesus the Christ is the only man who rose from the dead never to die again. Even the people that He raised from the dead, they all died. But Jesus rose from the dead never to die again. Jesus the Christ is the only man who owned the whole universe, and yet He lived in utter poverty to enrich His believers. Jesus the Christ is the only man who made all of the iron in the world, and yet He allowed the nail of iron to pierce his hands and his feet so that he may redeem everyone who would come to him confessing their sins, believing that they can save themselves so that he may redeem them. Jesus the Christ is the only one who made all of the forests and the trees, and yet he allowed his holy, righteous, sinless body to hang on a tree so that he may give eternal life to whomever would come to him seeking it. Jesus the Christ is the only sinless God-man who ever lived, yet He died a sinner's death to pay for the punishment of the sins of everyone who would receive His forgiveness. Isaiah said, His name shall be called what? Well, there may be some of you here saying, Oh, Michael, that's well and good. What does that mean to me today? What does that mean when I'm facing illness? disease, or even death. What does that mean to me when I'm facing unbearable burdens and pressures in my work or my campus? Well, I'm glad you asked because I can't wait to tell you, give you the answer. First of all, the very first thing you need to know 
people's most desperate need is not for pluralism or inclusivity or political correctness. No, that's a lie. Dig deep and you find that this is all the smoke screen they give you. But you will discover that the message that the world and people in the world are most desperate to hear is that God loves them so much that He gave up heaven for their sake, that God loved them so much that He died on a cross for their sins. The world is desperate to hear that the mighty God is closer to them than their hands and feet. The world needs to know, they need to hear that the mighty God loves them with everlasting love, the mighty God lovingly inviting them to repent of their sins, and to receive His gift of forgiveness and eternal life, that the mighty God is inviting them to surrender their will and their independence to His will. That's the message that the world is desperate for. The world is desperate for His mercy, grace, and peace. Isaiah said, His name shall be called what? Well, what about those who know Jesus? What about those who claim that Jesus is their Savior? What does this prophecy mean to us? It means that if you are living this life as if Jesus' might and power belong to some other time, if you are saved by His power but not living by that power, It means that if you are not experiencing the power of Almighty God, the power of El, if you are living a defeated life, if you are living a victimized life, if you are living a life that is devoid of supernatural power, I have good news for you. I have good news for you. The same supernatural power that conceived Jesus in the virgin's womb, the same supernatural power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same supernatural power that saved you is the same supernatural power that can be yours to live in and by day in and day out. Amen belongs here. I go even further. I go even further to tell you, listen careful, believers. You are dishonoring God when you do not live in and through and by His mighty power. Believers, keep listening to me, because if you are living a self-reliant life, if you are living a self-sufficient life, if you are living a faithless life, then you are denying by your life that you claim to have. And so I conclude where I began. The reason millions of churchgoers today practice this new religion of pluralism is because they have never experienced the God of power and might. And if you are one of them, today can be the day to invite El, the God of power and might, who came over 2,000 years ago, whose birth we celebrate this season, to come into your life. And He promised when you confess your sin and you confess Him as Lord, He will be the Lord of your life. It's amazing for those who don't know Jesus. When they are in a jam, (laughs) they want you to pray for them. (laughs) Isn't it amazing? 
To them, prayer is like a genie. They just grant me my wish. Yeah, go to your genie. Ask him to grant me my wish. I said, no, no, no. I don't pray to that kind of a God. I pray to the God of power and might. And if he does a miracle in your life, it's because he wants you to come and believe in him. L is inviting you today, wherever you are, wherever you are. He's inviting you to come to Him and live by His might day in and day out. El is inviting you today to know Him and the power of His resurrection. Will you come to Him? Will you come to Him? See, He wants you to know that His power is limitless. His power is amazing. His power is awesome. If you have never experienced Jesus, the God of power and might, you can do that today. And for you who know Jesus... You need to understand that El, His might, is greater than all of your problems, is greater than all of your difficult circumstances, greater than all of the impossibilities you're facing in life, is greater than your illnesses and your diseases, for His name is Mighty God. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.